Psalm 110 is one of those obviously messianic psalms. It's used 26 times in the New Testament, and of those 26 times, seven are direct quotations. Now, we're going to look at that messianic context, but we should also try to hear it as the original audience would have. Throughout much of Israel's history, they didn't have a concept of a Messiah like we do. In their mind, the Messiah, which literally means an anointed one or an anointed servant, would have been the king, who was literally anointed with oil at his coronation. It wasn't until the prophets, such as Isaiah and later, that we get glimpses of God's plan for a larger-than-life Messiah figure. And so here we have Psalm 110, and it's a psalm about our God's empowerment of Israel's king. He sits at the place of privilege at God's right hand. God himself is fighting his battles, conquering his enemies, and the king is given power and authority to which people gladly submit themselves to. Meanwhile, his enemies are going to be shattered while the king drinks peacefully from the brooks. So verse 4 is one of those that people are often puzzled by, though. It says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a character found in Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 through 20. He's a priest of God and also the king of Salem. Salem is eventually going to have Jeru added to it and become Jerusalem, which is the seat of Israel's king and home of God's temple. Melchizedek fulfilled two roles, that of a priest and of a king. The king of Israel, starting with David, also filled a similar role, not being a priest descended from the line of Aaron, as all other priests were, but forming his own unique priesthood. We see David filling both of these roles, obviously as a king, but also functioning as a priest in organizing the worship of God. In 1 Chronicles 24 through 29, we have David's preparation and organizing of the temple that Solomon would build. In other passages, he wears the priestly ephod, offers sacrifice, and has obviously written many of the psalms that Israel would have used in worship. So Psalm 110 is a prayer that focuses on this unique relationship that God would have with his anointed. But when we get to the New Testament, Jesus quotes this psalm while questioning the Pharisees. In Matthew 22, 43-45, Jesus says to him, How is it then that David in the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? So Jesus makes an important point about this psalm. David wrote it. So who could David's Lord be? Who could David have in mind aside from himself and his descendants? Well, even if this psalm could be thought to apply to the descendants of David later down the road, Jesus asserts that David himself had someone greater in mind even than him. Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus would be that larger-than-life Messiah who would have all his enemies made as his footstool, including the powers of sin and death itself. And just as Melchizedek and David were kings and priests, Jesus would have a very unique king and priestly role that would rule over mankind and bring us into the presence of God. Now, as we go to Psalm 111 for today's reading, it's a fitting sequel to Psalm 110. God has anointed his servant to rule over us and defeat our enemies and giving us peace so we can sing Psalm 111 and remember that he's full of wonderful works to be remembered, that he's gracious and merciful in giving us this king. He's shown us his power through the death and resurrection of our King Jesus, through whom we have redemption. The psalm concludes in verse 10 saying, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. So we can either be saved by God or join his shattered enemies under the footstool.
So we should all freely offer ourselves to God's holy king and find the peace that he brings. Mm-hmm.